Gospel Message is brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. In His presence, hallelujah. Good afternoon, once again. We are all welcome in Jesus' name. Pray that none of us will go back the same way we have come in here. In Jesus' name. Our test is taken from Isaiah, which is our test for the month, chapter 9. <clears throat> and I will read verses 2 through to 4. I believe I was cautioned by the Holy Spirit. And um, it's just occurred to me, truly, it's him that cautioned me that I should not do an exegesis on that. That's one of the our brothers, he used to be here. He's right in the Middle East now. We have a mental relationship. The first thing he sent to me this morning, which is very unusual, I know it's his own Monday, was about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that has consumed me, but I'll leave that for another day. Just read with me from verses 2 to 4. Shall you put it on the screen? Shall we read together, please, from the New King James Version? One, two, go. Yes. And increase his joy. Yes. Verse 4. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. Let me just stay with verse 3. Amen. says, you have multiplied the nation and increased his joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. We are to use this as a Bible study. You should be able to tell me easily and convincingly that there's a link between joy and harvest. You agree with me? And that link is a very strong one. As I said, I cautioned myself when he mentioned verse, in verse 4, he said, for you are broken, thank you, Father, you are broken the yoke of his body and the staff of his shoulder, uh, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. He was referring to that time in Israel when people labored in the time of uh, Gideon, you remember? When they labored and instead of stepping into their harvest, Midianites came and raided them. And so even when Isaiah was prophesied many years after, he was by the Spirit of the Lord, remembering the children of Israel. I God, as God, we always am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was saying, a covenant that God had with you is that the joy that you are robbed of by the enemy stealing your harvest, you will be robbed of those joy no more. And I can spend a long time in this room and pick case by case, situation by situation, in which you have labored, but the Midianites have come to rob you. In simple things, you prepared yourself for years for marriage. It doesn't seem to be happening. There should be a Midianite somewhere. 
You prepare yourself for financial breakthrough. It doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe, almost definitely, there's a media night somewhere. You have sold your financial resources into academics, into business. Seems to be no return. Just where you're about to harvest, the media night will jump in and harvest it. And so, God is saying that there can't be any joy as long as you labor and somebody steals it. At the end of the month, you expect that this is the month the Lord has promised to do it. The media night, more often than not, comes around to steal that blessing that will have been our joy nine months down the line. And that shall happen no more. Because there's a covenant of joy. And that's what I will talk to you about today, the covenant of joy. Hallelujah. The covenant of joy. Sorrow was not part of the script when God made heaven and earth. And how do I know that? The Bible tells me that when the final restitution will take place, the final restitution is when the new heaven and the new earth will start. He said at that time there will be three things that will be banished. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. Revelation 21 verse 4. Please, when you read your Bible, if you don't read, if you don't have time to read your Bible, please, at least read Genesis and read Revelation. If you read those two books, you are sorted. In fact, may I even challenge you, read Genesis chapter 1 to 3 and Revelations chapter 20, 21 and 23. 100%, it tells you exactly everything in between is by the way. The beginning of the story and the source of our problems, we know it. The end of the story, we know it. Once you know those two, every other thing in between, say, Lord, just catapult me to the end. What does this say in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4? Which is the end of the story which got worse, or which got out of sync in the beginning. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And in that place, I see a quartet of problem that is still dogging human beings and which must be managed until we see Jesus. What are the quartets of problem or the quartets of challenge that human beings face from that place? Uh, my natural disposition is to get you involved and is to teach. Let me flow with that for a moment. Who wants to go? Number one, death. Thank you. Number two, number three, Good. Number four. Thank you. Those are the quartets that we all contend with. In actual fact, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15, he mentioned that death, in his own case, there are some people who, through the fear of death, they are enslaved all the days of their lives. Whether you like it or not, I will share this with you, but I will share it. You know, your mind do play up sometimes. And so I don't know whether your own mind does that. And sometimes when I stand and I prayed about it, that if we were here and a God man came into this room, you know, I was thinking in my mind, how many of these ones will stay? <laughs> and it's natural. Why? Because there's an inherent fear of God forbid, if somebody should pick a phone and Tell somebody about some very bad news from a far distance. The initial thing is not to say, ah, all is well. Our spirit will go that sorrow. They are natural. And of course, crying 
is not just sorrow, it's, it's sorrow that is dramatized or come to the open. But the time is coming when all those things shall be no more. But while we are waiting for them, God has given us the authority to manage them. And out of the four, we will pick just sorrow today. Amen? Because we will not enter the new year in sorrow. Amen. Yeah, you will not. I stand in the name that's above all names. And it's such a great prayer, I say a big amen for myself. I will not enter the new year in sorrow. Amen. We will not. There is nothing romantic about sorrow. There are two kinds of sorrow the Bible discussed. There's one that I call divine sorrow, and I've got a lot of Bible references for them. It's only a stopgap. It's not an end in itself. The Bible calls it godly sorrow that works repentance. That kind of sorrow is to restore back. There's what I call demonic sorrow, which is to destroy. And more often than not, 95% of the time, it is the demonic sorrow that we need to contend with. It's the kind of sorrow in Philippians chapter 2, verse 27. So I've mentioned that if you're taking you know, two kinds of sorrow, there's the temporary sorrow which has its temporary use, which we call the sorrow that restored. We call it godly sorrow. And there's the one that is the demonic sorrow which is to destroy. One is to restore, one is to destroy. And we must make sure that we don't even stay too long in the godly sorrow one because it's supposed to make you repent and go back to the place of joy. Because of our time, I quickly run through a few things that you need to do. Or the resources that God has made available for us so that we can overcome sorrow, live in joy while we are waiting for the perfect state. You do understand what I said? That's a very serious statement. I'm not saying that a situation in which we will never have sorrow. I'm saying a situation in which we will be able to manage sorrow. Sorrow will not park in your front yard. When it's driving away, you will wave it bye-bye. It's always looking for a front door to park, but you say you can't park here. And sorrow won't be, won't be banished until Jesus comes. Death won't be banished until Jesus comes. Pain will not be banished, but at least you can manage it and insist that it does not stay in your own front door. All right? Let me go quickly for it. Uh, the kind of sorrow that we are talking about, you can deal with that one. Is the one that drains a person of strength, that drains a person of hope, and draws away from God. But you understand all that. But let me just tell us how to manage this sorrow. Number one, and I will see the person who will get every first word that I will use, we join together to form something at the end. All right? Number one, give. If you want to overcome sorrow, live in joy, while you are waiting for the time when there shall be no sorrow, you must learn to, number one, give. As chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to... Don't forget, the hand of the giver is always on top. There I say, so is the emotion of the giver. The giver's emotion is always on top. As long as you give according to the dictates that God has put in place. Learn to give joyfully. In actual fact, I believe the best time to give is when you don't have. Because that will lift up your emotion. That will lift up your self-worth. It's the time to give your time. 
When you are waiting for a particular thing in your life, that is the time to actually give. Because if you don't give at that time, the devil will make you to be focused and will make you to look very small that you are not worth much. If you learn that secret today, whatever it is that we are grappling with or we are struggling with, you will begin to see that it's disappearing. Give time this week. Give money. Give attention to others. Just, just give. Uh, one of our brethren was sharing with us in one of the meetings. And, um, and also, may I please warn you, because that's the story I want to share with you now. Please don't stop people that you think cannot afford to give you something. Don't stop them from giving you. Because you are depriving them of something that is profitable for them. It may minister to your own pride, but it is destroying their own self-worth. If I walk on the streets and paradventure someone that is begging for money decides to say, there used to be a particular clip on the internet or wherever, was it WhatsApp, where a poor man decided to pack all his money and give unto someone. You know, you probably have seen it before. So the story was mentioned. Some of you will remember the story. It was one of the leaders' meeting that one of our parishes, you know, a particular um, location where the minister is a particular elderly home. Um, they've been ministering to them, giving them things, hamper or whatever. And at the end of that year, they decided to buy them a gift, buy us a gift as a church. Or was it a gift or cash in kind? I can't remember. Was it cash? Was it cash? Okay, they decided to give us cash. And uh, true to our type, being products of fountain of love, we don't want to be seen as if our hands are soiled. And, and we overplayed our hand by when I explained to them. I said, no, no, keep your money. Don't give. Ah, I said, don't do that. Don't rob them of their worth. When they give you, we take it. And we tell them, if, you, if your concern is that they are thinking that we are doing it for money we want to get, explain to them what we do with the money. Thank them and I say, oh, that will go a long way in reaching other people. That we got some other homes we would have loved to reach, but this one you've given us, we will sow it. When a person is down, your number one duty is to do what is to give. Number two, I use the word interest. Develop interest in something and someone other than yourself. Inward-looking people are usually miserable people. Develop interest in something and someone other than yourself. What it does is that it takes your attention away from yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, the example of our Lord Jesus Christ was given there, 2 Corinthians 5, 15. It says... Jesus died for all that those who live should live no longer for stop living for yourself. A life that is just my, 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 I'm filling the blank, more often than not, we end up as a very miserable life. That's how to manage sorrow when we're on this side of eternity. Hallelujah. Number three, Vent is not a bad word, so I will use it now. Vent. Vent. Learn to speak up and speak out. And put Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 on the screen for me, please. Ephesians 4, 26. Vent. Learn to speak up. You can put the message version on the screen. Sorrow will be far from you. 
And you will not have fake joy. Mm. Say, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as what? Fuel for revenge and don't stay. Don't go to bed angry. So, you know it in the old King James Version. He said, be ye angry and let not the sun go down on your... Uh-huh. But I think this unpackage is better for you. Not much more to say after that one. Learn to speak up. Learn to express yourself. There's nothing wrong about that at all. Uh, may I also suggest unto you, please, don't be a volcano. Be a spring. Some of us, we are volcanoes. We, we bent up, pent up, pent up. In actual fact, I'm very weary. I'm very afraid of those that don't talk. They won't say anything. You've offended them. They just look straight. I, I avoid them. Because the day they will erupt, you are dead. And that's why those that are close to me, I may look gentle, but I do erupt from time to time. Not erupt. I do seep out. <laughs> Because spring, we say you should be. You don't, can't afford. I sip out from today. You know when I sip out? They say, ah, this thing is not as sweet as yesterday. <laughs> be a spring. Don't be a volcano. Um, many a times, many have wrecked good life because they've not learned. Um, in fact, it does more damage unto you. And, you know, those, all of us can relate to that. Not even those in health profession or care profession alone, you know, not a medical or health profession alone. How many of us have had Whitlow before? Do you know what Whitlow is? How many? If, how many? Let me see your hand so that I know whether I'm talking to the right people. How many of you do, do not know what Whitlow is? Or you've never had Whitlow before? If you've never had Whitlow before, hallelujah, wow. But you know what it is? You are ble- Let me see your hand again. You've never seen had Whitlow before. Those of you that had, better go and shake their hand. <laughs> I've had enough Whitlow that will last ten life years. And the reason is that I always pick my nails. Yeah, I tear it, pick it, and you know the greatest thing about Whitlow is that as soon. As the pulse is released, the pain goes. It goes. I use Whitlow because it's like any other collection of pores in any part of the body. But Whitlow is the commonest one. It, it just Whitlow keeps people awake at night. So it is somebody who keeps inwardly hurt instead of letting it out. In actual fact, oh, you're letting me now. You should all understand that. It's easy for me by my own trait to understand the application of this and apply it. Now, if you keep it in, it's not only going to stay there. They will tell you, you know, all those, you know. The worst part of it is that it could then go, where will it go? If, it does, if you don't allow it to go out, and in fact, that's your greatest need, why we let it out. Apart from it can destroy the local thing. But worst, what can it do? It can go into the bloodstream. Ah, very good. And then at that stage, countdown has started. How many people have died spiritually because you've not let the pulse out? Countdown starts. Immediately you have, you know, 
the infection in your bloodstream, you have septicemia, you start with bacteria, we call septicemia. Canada has started. In actual fact, one of the most things that the doctors are most afraid of because organ shutdown starts. One after another. And that stage, it gets to the point that it's irreversible. Why am I dwelling on this point? If you're in the house and for some reason you bottle something up, will you please after this service go and let it out? Go and let it out. Find somebody, speak to them, let it come out. And God will bring healing in Jesus' name. How many have we said? Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Invest. Invest in someone else's joy. It's different from interest. It's different from interest. Make someone happy. Just, just, make, just, just make someone happy. Don't just, just say, look, I'll put a smile on someone's face. Pick the phone call and say, since you are the one answering me, Sister Emo, you are so precious in the kingdom of God. Oh. And I mean it. I mean it. I remember when you were singing your solo on that day. I, I said, we more used to sing soprano very well. Oh. <laughs> Find somebody else. I can go from pew to pew, chair to chair, and pick each and every one of you. And just, don't you know that good words is tonic to the heart? Parents, please, speak good words to your children. And that should happen in every home today. Husband, speak good work to your wife. And if you've been doing it, please don't stop. Especially when some of them are not responding. And wife, speak good word unto your, especially when most of them, you see the difference, <laughs> are not responding. Speak good words. Just, just, you know, in my tradition, wives, they sing praises of their husband. They have uh, like poems they write for them. And they say, my, the, what do we call it? The owner of my head. Uh-huh. Let somebody hair swell today. You know what? It will diffuse your own sorrow. Invest in people. And that's why some of you, you take exception to it. When most of what I preach about, even when I preach a very difficult topic, I end up bringing the positive and hope in it. It's easy for me. I used to. It's easy for me to preach three hours to you about how miserable you are. And believe me, we are very miserable. We are. We've got issues. Can comfortably tell you how close to missing the kingdom of God we all are. And believe me, we are. I can comfortably tell you how much Souls are perishing outside there, and they are perishing. But is it not the heart that is glad that can step out to do the work? The Bible says we should serve the Lord with gladness all the days of our lives. So I think I learned that secret a long time. I invest in people. And Paul the Apostle drove it home in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting from verse 1. He drove it home and drove it home very well. 2 Corinthians, we need to be fast upstairs. Please, uh, if we are not, if I overshoot my time, I will blame you. 
Is it on the screen? Put it on the general screen as well. He said, for I, let's start from verse 1, please. I said verses 1 and 2. But I determined this within myself, that I will not come to you. I will not come. Read with me. Read with me. One, two, go. Please read. But I determined this within myself. Yes. Stop there. That's his own determination. He will not what? So when I came in here this morning to preach, the amount of issues that may make me not say, Lord, I've not attained that. Lord, we've not done that. Including our individual situations, I ask the Lord to purge me of them. Or else I may be speaking good things, but speaking it from a sorrowful heart. And no matter I try to sugarcoat it, you will know that this man is not genuine. So I can't come and pray to you until God has dealt with me inwardly and there is a joy that is overflowing in me. Verse 2, what does this say? Let's read together. Ah. Good. Did you get it now? If I invest in making you happy, I will repeat. Please invest in people today matter how much they have hurt. And believe you me, sometimes in the past one week, I've had a few locations in which I was really, really going to be angry and was going to do some pay people back in their own coin, home and abroad. But I found out that if I do so, I'll be, I'll not be helping myself. How many have we said? Number five. Nest, N-E-S-T, nest. Build a nest and stay in there. What is a nest? In a nest, you have people in there, isn't it? He said they are nesting together. Lone rangers are generally miserable people. Even if you're an introverted person, you can still be a nest builder. We mentioned that in influence, that even the most introverted person can still influence 10,000 people. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was a nest builder. He built a nest in which 12 other gentlemen and himself, they were nesting together and fellowshipping together. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, you know it. The reason for you nesting is based on Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10. It says, Woe unto him who is alone. I don't know why people want to succeed alone. What they are toying with is that they want to fail alone. If Jesus could need disciples, put 26 of Matthew on the screen for me, verse 38. Matthew 26, 38, please. Let's read Matthew 20. I just learn a little bit of lesson from the master, and then we will just rise up and take three prayer points. Are you having the issue of uh, this thing called sorrow the enemy brings away? Are you having to resolve gradually to be fully resolved today? Then said he, Why are you giving me the old King James? Okay, leave it there. Then said he unto them, or is it because Jesus, you wanted it to be very spiritual? Then he said to them, my soul is... Ah, who was that? Evil to death. 
What was the solution to it? Did you see the answer to sorrow now? Uh-huh. That's what he used. That's what we need to use. When you are sorrowful, don't keep to yourself. You must learn to have a good group of people, not useless. Oh, sorry, not useless. Not, not people who will not add value to you. Nobody is useless. But, you know. Some people, they don't add value to you. In your sorrow, they want to profit out of it. May God not allow you to be alone. Uh, genuine people. And as good as blood relationships are, and they are very valuable, parental, sibling, as good as spousal relationships are, and they are very pivotal and very important. But sometimes God wants us to have solid relationships outside those primary relationships. And believe you me, sometimes there is a friend that's still closer than a brother. And may the Lord release those to your life. As I used to tell people, there is no single person that can meet all your emotional needs. You will kill the person. And you wives that you're expecting your husband to meet, don't kill the man. Especially you men, actually. I do that a lot with my wife. She has a network of people. Me being introverted normally, there's no way that I can meet. It's not possible. He has a good time. She will pick phone. There are the, I mentioned their names. They will talk for as long as possible. That allows me to catch my breath and freeze me. <laughs> Not that she talks that much, no. <laughs> there are the younger sisters of this world. Picks the phone. They talk away. And some of you are stifling. Don't stifle. Now there should be prioritization. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And she knows the priority. No matter the conversation, when it's my turn, every other body, they stay away. He knows that. But at the same time, give people the latitude. I'm talking about nest building. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop being miserable. Have Many of you, don't pride yourself. You don't have friends. You should have friends. My wife challenged me not long ago. Said she's not, ah, I even had a dream overnight. I will tell you later. Sorry. These are private things I'm telling you here. It's true. I learned that line of friends. And there are two friends that were showing me, remind me if I forget. Because she was the one that told me, said, she's not happy. Pastor Agu used to say that a lot. He's challenged us. He has three friends like that all over the world that he connects to her very closely. He could be on the phone with them for one hour. They open up to each other. Of course, he's got his wife by his side, solid relationship at home. But at the same time, you need people that God has placed there. That's why Jesus had 12. That's why he was saying there that my soul is sorrowful, son of God. That's why I'm not saying we're going to banish sorrow. We can only manage sorrow. I didn't start telling you that today I will be a false preacher. Those four things will remain, but you can control them. They don't need to park in your front yard. But one of the most important ones, the one I've told you, learn to nest and nest very well. Can I hear you men onto that one? God will give you good friends. God revealed to me. I didn't know this point would come. God is very faithful. And you can almost guess the two friends I'm talking about are very, very clear what God showed me. Very, very clear. And those friends, in the office we're talking about difference between partners and friends. That's that's also very deep. Some people are just partners and I, I do learn a lot from my various little nestings here and there. A friend is no agenda. 
There's no agenda. A friend is always there. You bring anything in. They stand by you. You get it sorted. Partnership is like mentoring. Partnership, you can have business partners. You can have spiritual partners. You can have prayer partners. Prayer partners, the main business is that you just pray. And don't please turn your prayer partner to business partner. It may not work. So that's the topic maybe I bring to the full house another time. Partnership is very important in life. Occasionally, some friends can be partners. But more often than not, partners, they're on their own. It is transactional. That is, between myself and Solomon, let's say, we're ministry partners. When I have preaching to do, I ask him to go and come and preach. When he wants me to preach, I go to preach, you know, in a slot, maybe in the evening, and things like that, which he's been asking me to do. That's even though it is still pastor you know, uh, leader, sub, uh, lieutenant leader, apex leader relationship, but at the same time, there's still partnership there. There's still partnership. You say, you partner with me, and I partner with you. We'll come back to that another day. But more importantly, please, all comes under the condition of what? Number, th- four, number six, godliness. And that's the final one. What have we spelled? Giving. So everything stands on giving. Sin is a reproach. Whether we like it or not, when one's will is not right, as long as you are a child of God and the Spirit of God is in you, unless you are past feeling, you will not be happy. If you miss it, you should, you should actually, you shouldn't even be happy anyway. If you are happy, something is not right. If you are doing any sinful act, you just should not be happy. Because God has wired you that way so that you will not be overcome. It's a righteousness exalted nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Hallelujah. So here we are. As we give of ourselves, sorrow will be far from us. And we will enter into a new season of joy. So I was mentioning constantly, and it was intentional, throughout, and we will stand up to pray in a moment. I kept saying, if you are a child of God, I kept saying, if God is your father, even from the opening prayer, and if you are following that carefully, that means that's a precondition for most of what I've spoken about today. It's a precondition. And it only works for you when you have that father-son relationship. In case that has suffered some setback, it's about time as we all rise up to just turn our hearts unto the Lord and get that sorted. Does that make sense to somebody? A power adventure, you are in the house, you've never taken that step before. You can do it today. It's a very simple step. You are still sitting down. I said we should rise up. I'm finished talking. You will talk to God now. In his presence. Hallelujah. Good afternoon, once again. We are all welcome in Jesus' name. Pray that none of us will go back the same way we have come in here. In Jesus' name. Our test is taken from Isaiah, which is our test for the month. Chapter 9. And I will read verses 2 through to 4. I believe I was cautioned by the Holy Spirit and um, it's just occurred to me truly it's him that cautioned me that I should not do an exegesis on that. That's one of the 
our brothers, he used to be here. He's right in the Middle East now. We have a mental relationship. The first thing he sent to me this morning, which is very unusual, I know it's his own Monday, was about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that has consumed me, but I'll leave that for another day. Just read with me from verses 2 to 4. Shall you put it on the screen? Shall we read together, please, from the New King James Version? One, two, go. Yes. And increase his joy. Yes. Verse 4. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. Let me just stay with verse 3. Amen. says, you have multiplied the nation and increased his joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. We are to use this as a Bible study. You should be able to tell me, Easily and convincingly, that there is a link between joy and harvest. You agree with me? And that link is a very strong one. As I said, I cautioned myself when he mentioned verse in verse four. He said, "For you are broken, thank you, Father. You are broken the yoke of his body and the staff of his shoulder, uh, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian." He was referring to that time in Israel. When people labored, in the time of uh, Gideon, you remember? When they labored, and instead of stepping into their harvest, Midianites came and raided them. And so even when Isaiah was prophesied many years after, he was by the Spirit of the Lord, remembering the children of Israel. And God, as God, we always am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was saying, a covenant that God had with you is that the joy that you are robbed of by the enemy stealing your harvest, you will be robbed of those joy no more. And I can spend a long time in this room and pick case by case, situation by situation, in which you have labored, but the Midianites have come to rob you. In simple things, you prepared yourself for years for marriage. It doesn't seem to be happening. There should be a Midianite somewhere. You prepare yourself for financial breakthrough. It doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe, almost definitely, there's a media night somewhere. You have sold your financial resources into academics, into business. Seems to be no return. Just where you're about to harvest, the media night will jump in and harvest it. And so, God is saying that there can't be any joy as long as you labor and somebody steals it. At the end of the month, you expect that this is the month the Lord has promised to do it. The Midianite, more often than not, comes around to steal that blessing that will have been our joint nine months down the line. And that shall happen no more. Because there's a covenant of joy. And that's what I will talk to you about today, the covenant of joy. Hallelujah. The covenant of joy. Sorrow was not part of the script when God made heaven and earth. And how do I know that? 
The Bible tells me that when the final restitution we take place, the final restitution is when the new heaven and the new earth will start. He said at that time there will be three things that will be banished. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. Revelation 21 verse 4. Please, when you read your Bible, if you don't read, if you don't have time to read your Bible, please, at least read Genesis and read Revelation. If you read those two books, you are sorted. In fact, may I even challenge you, read Genesis chapter 1 to 3 and Revelations chapter 20, 21 and 23. 100%, it tells you exactly everything in between is by the way. The beginning of the story and the source of our problems, we know it. The end of the story, we know it. Once you know those two, Every other thing in between, say, Lord, just catapult me to the end. What does this say in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4? Which is the end of the story, which got worse, or which got out of sync in the beginning. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And in that place, I see a quartet of problem that is still dogging human beings and which must be managed until we see Jesus. What are the quartets of problem or the quartets of challenge that human beings face from that place? Uh, my natural disposition is to get you involved and is to teach. Let me flow with that for a moment. Who wants to go? Number one, death. Thank you. Number two, number three, Good. Number four. Thank you. Those are the quartets that we all contend with. In actual fact, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15, he mentioned that death, in his own case, there are some people who, through the fear of death, they are enslaved all the days of their lives. Whether you like it or not, I will share this with you, but I will share it. You know, your mind do play up sometimes. And so, I don't know whether your own mind does that. And sometimes when I stand, and I prayed about it, that if we were here and a gun man came into this room, you know, I was thinking in my mind, how many of these ones will stay? <laughs> and it's natural. Why? Because there's an inherent fear of... God forbid, if somebody should pick a phone and... Tell somebody about some very bad news from a far distance. The initial thing is not to say, ah, all is well. Our spirit will go. That's sorrow. They are natural. And of course, crying is not just sorrow. It's, it's sorrow that is dramatized or come to the open. But the time is coming when all those things shall be no more. But while we are waiting for them, God has given us the authority to manage them. And out of the four, we will pick just sorrow today. Amen? Because we will not enter into New Year in sorrow. Amen. Yeah, you will not. I stand in the name that's above all names. And it's such a great prayer, I say a big amen for myself. I will not enter the New Year in sorrow. Amen. We will not. There is nothing romantic about sorrow. There are two kinds of sorrow the Bible discussed. There's one that I call divine sorrow, and I've got a lot of Bible references for them. It's only a stopgap. It's not an end in itself. The Bible calls it godly sorrow that works repentance. That kind of sorrow is to restore back 
that there's what I call demonic sorrow, which is to destroy. And more often than not, 95% of the time, it is the demonic sorrow that we need to contend with. It's the kind of sorrow in Philippians chapter 2, verse 27. So I've mentioned that if you're taking you know, two kinds of sorrow, there's the temporary sorrow, which has its temporary use, which we call the sorrow that restored. We call it godly sorrow. And there is the one that is the demonic sorrow, which is to destroy. One is to restore, one is to destroy. And we must make sure that we don't even stay too long in the godly sorrow one, because it's supposed to make you repent and go back to the place of joy. Because of our time, I quickly run through a few things that you need to do. Or the resources that God has made available for us, so that we can overcome sorrow, live in joy while we are waiting for the perfect state. You do understand what I said? That's a very serious statement. I'm not saying that a situation in which we will never have sorrow. I'm saying a situation in which we will be able to manage sorrow. Sorrow will not park in your front yard. When it's driving away, you will wave it bye-bye. It's always looking for a front door to park, but you say you can't park here. And sorrow won't be, won't be banished until Jesus comes. Death won't be banished until Jesus comes. Pain will not be banished. But at least you can manage it and insist that it does not stay in your own front door. All right? Let me go quickly for it. Uh, the kind of sorrow that we are talking about, you can deal with that one. Is the one that drains a person of strength, that drains a person of hope, and draws away from God. But you understand all that. But let me just tell us how to manage this sorrow. Number one. And I will see the person who will get every first word that I will use. We join together to form something at the end. All right? Number one, give. If you want to overcome sorrow, live in joy, while you are waiting for the time when there shall be no sorrow, you must learn to, number one, give. As chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to... Don't forget the hand of the giver... Is always on top. There I say, so is the emotion of the giver. The giver's emotion is always on top. As long as you give according to the dictates that God has put in place. Learn to give joyfully. In actual fact, I believe the best time to give is when you don't have. Because that will lift up your emotion, that will lift up your self-worth. It's the time to give your time. When you are waiting for a particular thing in your life, that is the time to actually give. Because if you don't give at that time, the devil will make you to be focused and will make you to look very small that you are not worth much. If you learn that secret today, whatever it is that we are grappling with or we are struggling with, you will begin to see that it's disappearing. Give time this week. Give money. Give attention to others. Just, just give. Uh, one of our brethren was sharing with us in one of the meetings. And, um, and also, may I please warn you, because that's the story I want to share with you now. Please don't stop people that you think cannot afford to give you something. Don't stop them from giving you. Because you are depriving them of something that is profitable for them. It may minister to your own pride, but it is destroying their own self-worth. If I walk on the streets 
And part adventure, someone that is begging for money decides to say, there used to be a particular clip on the internet or wherever it was, it was that where a poor man decided to pack all his money and give unto someone. You know, you probably have seen it before. So the story was mentioned. Some of you will remember the story. It was one of the leaders' meeting. That one of our parishes, you know, a particular um, location where the minister is a particular elderly home, um, they've been ministering to them, giving them things, hamper or whatever. And at the end of that year, they decided to buy them a gift, buy us a gift as a church. Or was it a gift or cash in kind? I can't remember. Was it cash? Was it cash? Okay, they decided to give us cash. And uh, true to our type, being products of fountain of love, we don't want to be seen as if our hands are soiled. And, and we overplayed our hand by when I explained to them. I said, no, no, keep your money. Don't give. I said, don't do that. Don't rob them of their worth. When they give you, we take it. And we tell them, if, you, if your concern is that they are thinking that we are doing it for money we want to get, explain to them what we do with the money. Thank them and I say, oh, that will go a long way in reaching other people. That we got some other homes we would have loved to reach, but this one you've given us, we will sow it. When a person is down, your number one duty is to do what is to give. Number two, I use the word interest. Develop interest in something and someone other than yourself. Inward-looking people are usually miserable people. Develop interest in something and someone other than yourself. What it does is that it takes your attention away from yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, the example of our Lord Jesus Christ was given there, 2 Corinthians 5, 15. It says... Jesus died for all, that those who live should live no longer for... Stop living for yourself. A life that is just my, 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 I'm filling the blank, more often than not, we end up as a very miserable life. That's how to manage sorrow when we're on this side of eternity. Hallelujah. Number three... Vent is not a bad word, so I will use it now. Vent. Vent. Learn to speak up and speak out. And put Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 on the screen for me, please. Ephesians 4, 26. Vent. Learn to speak up. You can put the message version on the screen. Sorrow will be far from you. Uh, you will not have fake joy. Mm. Say, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as what? Fuel for revenge and don't stay. Don't go to bed angry. So, you know it in the old King James Version. He said, be ye angry and let not the sun go down on your... Uh-huh. But I think this will package it better for you. Not much more to say after that one. Learn to speak up. Learn to express yourself. There's nothing wrong about that at all. Uh, may I also suggest unto you, please, don't be a volcano. Be a spring. Some of us, we are volcanoes. We... 
We bent up, bent up, bent up. In actual fact, I'm very weary. I'm very afraid of those that don't talk. They won't say anything. You've offended them. They just look straight. I, I avoid them. Because the day they will erupt, you are dead. And that's why those that are close to me, I may look gentle, but I do erupt from time to time. Not erupt. I do seep out. <laughs> because spring, we say you should be. You don't count afford. I seep out from time. They know when I seep out. They say, ah, this thing is not as sweet as yesterday. <laughs> be a spring. Don't be a volcano. Um, many a times, many have wrecked good life because they've not learned it. Um, in fact, it does more damage unto you. And, you know, those, all of us can relate to that. Not even those in health profession or care profession alone, you know. Not in medical or health profession alone. How many of us have had Whitlow before? Do you know what Whitlow is? How many? If, how many? Let me see your hand so that I know whether I'm talking to the right people. How many of do, do not know what Whitlow is? Or you've never had Whitlow before? You've never had Whitlow before? Hallelujah. Wow. But you know what it is? Ah, you are blessed. Let me see your hand again. You've never seen had Whitlow before? Those of you that had, better go and shake their hand. I've had enough Whitlow that will last 10 life years. And the reason is that I always pick my nails. Yeah, I tear it, pick it, and... You know, the greatest thing about Whitlow is that as soon as the pulse is released, the pain goes. It goes. I use Whitlow because it's like any other collection of pores in any part of the body. But Whitlow is the commonest one. It, it just Whitlow keeps people awake at night. So it is somebody who keeps inwardly hurt instead of letting it out. In actual fact, oh, you're letting me now. You should all understand that. It's easy for me by my own trait to understand the implication of this and apply it. Now, if you keep it in, it's not only going to stay there. They will tell you, you know, all those, you know. The worst part of it is that it could then go, where will it go? If, it does, if you don't allow it to go out, and in fact, that's your greatest thing, why we let it out. Apart from it can destroy the local thing. But worst, what can it do? It can go into the bloodstream. Ah, very good. And then at that stage, calm down has started. How many people have died spiritually because you've not let the pulse out? Candan starts. Immediately you have, you know, the infection in your bloodstream. You have septicemia. You start with bacteria. become septicemia. Candan has started. In actual fact, one of the most things that the doctors are most afraid of because organ shutdown starts. One after another. And that stage, it gets to the point that it's irreversible. Why am I dwelling on this point? If you're in the house and for some reason you bottle something up, will you please after this service go and let it out? Go and let it out. Find somebody, speak to them, let it come out. And God will bring healing in Jesus' name. How many have we said? Number one, number two, number three, number four, invest. Invest in someone else's joy. It's different from interest, it's different from interest. Make someone happy. 
Just, just make, just, just make someone happy. Don't just, just say, look, I'll put a smile on someone's face. Pick the phone call and say, since you are the one answering me, Sister Emo, you are so precious in the kingdom of God. Oh, and I mean it. I mean it. I remember when you were singing your solo on that day. I, I said, we more used to sing soprano very well. Oh. <laughs> Find somebody else. I can go from pew to pew, chair to chair, and pick each and every one of you. And just, don't you know that good words is tonic to the heart? Parents, please, speak good words to your children. And that should happen in every home today. Husband, speak good work to your wife. And if you've been doing it, please don't stop. Especially when some of them are not responding. And wife, speak good word unto your... Especially when most of them... You see the difference? <laughs> are not responding. Speak good words. Just, just you know, in my tradition... Wives, they sing praises of their husband. They have, uh, like, poems they write for them. And they say, my, the, what do we call it? The owner of my head. <laughs> Let somebody hear swell today. You know what? It will diffuse your own sorrow. Invest in people. And that's why some of you, you take exception to it. When most of what I preach about, even when I preach a very difficult topic, I end up bringing the positive and hope in it. It's easy for me. I used to. It's easy for me to preach three hours to you about how miserable you are. And believe me, we are very miserable. We are. We've got issues. Can comfortably tell you how close to missing the kingdom of God, we all are. And believe me, we are. I can comfortably tell you how much souls are perishing outside there, and they are perishing. But is it not the heart that is glad that can step out to do the work? The Bible says we should serve the Lord with gladness all the days of our lives. So I think I learned that secret a long time. I invest in people. And Paul the Apostle drove it home in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting from verse 1. He drove it home and drove it home very well. 2 Corinthians, we need to be fast upstairs. Please, uh, if we are not, if I overshoot my time, I will blame you. Is it on the screen? Put it on the general screen as well. He said, for I, let's start from verse 1, please. I said verses 1 and 2. But I determined this within myself... That I will not come to you. I will not come. Read with me. Read with me. Want to go? Please read. But I determine this within myself. Yes. I will not come again to you. Stop there. That's his own determination. He will not what? So when I came in here this morning to preach, the amount of issues that may make me not say, Lord, I've not attained that. Lord, we've not done that. Including our individual situations, I ask the Lord to purge me of them. Or else I may be speaking good things, but speaking it from a sorrowful heart. And no matter I try to sugarcoat it, you will know that this man is not genuine. 
So I can't come and pray to you until God has dealt with me inwardly and there is a joy that is overflowing in me. Verse 2, what does this say? Let's read together. Ah. Good. Did you get it now? If I invest in making you happy, I will repeat. Please invest in people today. No matter how much they have hurt you. And believe you me, sometimes in the past one week, I've had a few locations in which I was really, really going to be angry and was going to do some pay people back in their own coin, home and abroad. But I found out that if I do so, I'll be... I will not be helping myself. How many have we said? Number five. Nest. N-E-S-T. Nest. Build a nest and stay in there. What is a nest? In a nest, you have people in there, isn't it? He said they said they are nesting together. Low rangers are generally miserable people. Even if you're an introverted person, you can still be a nest builder. We mentioned that in influence, that even the most introverted person can still influence 10,000 people. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was a nest builder. He built a nest in which 12 other gentlemen and himself they were nesting together and fellowshipping together. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, you know it. The reason for you nesting is based on Ecclesiastes 4, verse 10. He says, Woe unto him who is alone. I don't know why people want to succeed alone. What they are toying with is that they want to fail alone. Jesus could need disciples. Put 26 of Matthew on the screen for me, verse 38. Matthew 26, 38, please. Let's read Matthew 28. I just learn a little bit of lesson from the master, and then we will just rise up and take three prayer points. Are you having the issue of uh, this thing called sorrow the enemy brings away? Are you having it to resolve gradually? To be fully resolved today. Then said he, why are you giving me the old King James? Okay, leave it there. Then said he unto them, or is it because Jesus, you wanted it to be very spiritual? Then he said to them, my soul is, ah, who was that? Evil to death. What was the solution to it? Did you see the answer to sorrow now? Uh-huh. That's what he used. That's what we need to use. When you are sorrowful, don't keep to yourself. You must learn to have a good group of people, not useless. Oh, sorry, not useless. Not, not people who will not add value to you. Nobody is useless. But, you know. Some people, they don't add value to you. In your sorrow, they want to profit out of it. May God not allow you to be alone. Genuine people. And as good as blood relationships are, and they are very valuable, parental, sibling, as good as spousal relationships are, and they are very pivotal and very important. 
But sometimes God wants us to have solid relationship outside those primary relationships. And believe you me, sometimes there is a friend that's still closer than a brother. And may the Lord release those to your life. Amen. As I used to tell people, there is no single person that can meet all your emotional needs. You will kill the person. And you wives that you're expecting your husband to meet, don't kill the man. He could. Especially you men, actually. I do that a lot with my wife. She has a network of people. Me being introverted normally, there's no way that I can meet. It's not possible. He has a good time. She will pick phone. There are the, I mentioned their names. They will talk for as long as possible. That allows me to catch my breath and freeze me. <laughs> not that she talks that much, no. There are the younger sisters of this world. Picks the phone. They talk away. And some of you are stifling. Don't stifle. Now that should be prioritization. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And she knows the priority. No matter the conversation, when it's my turn, every other body, they stay away. He knows that. But at the same time, give people the latitude. I'm talking about nest building. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop being miserable. Have many of you don't pride yourself. You don't have friends. You should have friends. My wife challenged me not long ago. Said she's not. Ah, I even had a dream overnight. I will tell you later. Sorry. These are private things I'm telling you here. It's true. I learned that line of friends, and there are two friends that were showing me. Remind me if I forget, because she was the one that told me. Said she's not happy. Pastor, we used to say that a lot. It's challenges. He has three friends like that all over the world that he connects to her very closely. It could be on the phone with them for one hour. They open up to each other. Of course, he's got his wife by his side, solid relationship at home, but at the same time, you need people that God has placed there. That's why Jesus had 12. That's why he was saying there that my soul is sorrowful, son of God. That's why I'm not saying we're going to banish sorrow. We can only manage sorrow. I didn't start telling you that today I will be a false preacher. Those four things will remain, but you can control them. They don't need to park in your front yard. But one of the most important ones, the one I've told you, learn to nest and nest very well. Can I hear amen onto that one? Amen. God will give you good friends. Amen. Mm. God revealed to me, I didn't know this point would come. God is very faithful. And you can almost guess the two friends I'm talking about are very, very clear what God showed me. Very, very clear. And those friends, in the office, we're talking about the difference between partners and friends. That's, that's also very deep. Some people are just partners. and I, I do learn a lot from my various little nestings here and there. A friend is no agenda. It's no agenda. A friend is always there. You bring anything in. They stand by you. You get it sorted. Partnership is like mentoring. Partnership, you can have business partners. You can have spiritual partners. You can have prayer partners. Prayer partners, the main business is that you just pray. And don't please turn your prayer partner to business partner. It may not work. So that's the topic maybe I bring to the full house another time. Partnership is very important in life. Occasionally, some friends can be partners. But more often than not, partners, they're on their own. It is transactional. That is, between myself and Solomon, let's say, we are ministry partners. When I have preaching to do, I ask him to go and come and preach. When he wants me to preach, I go to preach. 
you know, in a slot, maybe in the evening, and things like that, which he's been asking me to do. That's even though it is still pastor, you know, uh, leader, sub, uh, lieutenant leader, apex leader relationship, but at the same time, there's still partnership there. There's still partnership. He said, you partner with me, and I partner with you. We'll come back to that another day. But more importantly, please, all comes under the condition of what? Number, four, number six, godliness. And that's the final one. What have we spelled? Giving. So everything stands on giving. Sin is a reproach. Whether we like it or not, when one's will is not right, as long as you are a child of God and the Spirit of God is in you, unless you are past feeling, you will not be happy. If you miss it, you should, you should actually, you shouldn't even be happy anyway. If you are happy, something is not right. If you are doing any sinful act, you just should not be happy. Because God has wired you that way so that you will not be overcome. He said, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Hallelujah. So here we are. As we give of ourselves, sorrow will be far from us. And we will enter into a new season of joy. So I was mentioning constantly, and it was intentional throughout, and we will stand up to pray in a moment. I kept saying, if you are a child of God. I kept saying, if God is your father, even from the opening prayer. And if you are following that carefully, that means that's a precondition for most of what I've spoken about today. It's a precondition. And it only works for you when you have that father-son relationship. In case that has suffered some setback, it's about time as we all rise up to just turn our hearts unto the Lord and get that sorted. Does that make sense to somebody? A paraventure, you are in the house, you've never taken that step before. You can do it today. It's a very simple step. You are still sitting down. I said we should rise up. I've finished talking. You will talk to God now. Don't my beat. It's your turn now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Sorrow will not park in your front door. Amen. Mm, it will not park. So I want every one of us in the house, in one form or another, power adventure. You've never taken that bold step. We've talked today about God's covenant with us, the covenant of joy. It started in the Garden of Eden. We lost it, and we will not regain it fully. Can you imagine sorrow and death in the same category? That tells you how the devil has laid hold on that. And we won't regain it fully until we get to the new Jerusalem. We won't regain it fully until we have the new heaven and the new earth. So please spend a moment and just say, Lord, please, I yield my heart to you again. I make my way right with you. Because it's a covenant and there are two sides to every covenant. There's a God part, there's your part. Just talk to him right now. He's hearing you. I don't need to hear you. Talk to him. If he say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
from now on, as we ask the Lord, big or small, things that we have done that could have separated us from him, I'm sure he will have you back. If you have confessed before you came, you don't need to do it again. But paraventure, you just remember something. Turn to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. And if you have never prayed the prayer before of giving your life to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you can do it today. The Lord is in this house. His power is here. In your own little corner there, say, Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. Please be my Lord and Savior. And sure, you will come back and testify on this pulpit that there's a weight that was lifted from your heart when you pray that prayer. And Jesus' name shall be praised in your life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. The first prayer point will be that God should destroy every assignment of sorrow in my life. Have you seen people, it is sorrow upon sorrow. That's what Philippians chapter 2 verse 17 says. Paul the apostle was attacked by that. He had an assignment of sorrow. He said, but God had mercy. He was talking about Epaphroditus. He said, but God had mercy on him. That when he was sick, God healed him. He said, not on him only, but also on him. Lest I will have sorrow upon sorrow. And many of us ministers, we have sorrow upon sorrow. Because we are invested in many lives. And so when God is healing and delivering and helping you, he's actually helping those that God has placed over you because you're so involved sometimes. You carry so many things. That's why you should learn to pray for leaders. Pray for Daddy Gio. All over the world. America, something is happening there. Someone is ill. Maybe so one time I was praying for him. I was crying. I was even at a meeting, you know, the wife was so overcome by the circumstances in many lives and, you know, some young death. And sometimes they become so frequent. You bear those sorrows. I know they are biological children, but you've invested in them. And just as many of you have invested in many people, assignments of sorrow in your life shall be terminated. It shall be terminated. If your child is not doing well, you can't be happy. What money are you making? What degree are you carrying? What ministry are you having? Our lives are too intertwined. Did you understand what I'm talking about now? Will you please pray that with all your heart with me and say, Father! And when we do this, please, is to stir our hearts up. I used to tell you, we're not doing magic. It's just the way God has called us to pray. You should pray at the three levels. Pray with your spirit, pray with your emotion, pray physically. Are you ready to go again? Say, Father, please destroy every assignment of sorrow in my life today. In the name of Jesus. Please lift up your voices with mine and pray that with all your energy. Vocalize the prayer. These are not private prayers. Hear your own selves. Pricking the prayer out. 
says, tell your own self of this are not, you know, there are times for meditative prayer, there are times for warfare prayer, there are times the Bible says, and um, and Bartimaeus lifted his voice, he cried out, everybody heard it, he said, thou son of David, have mercy on me, it wasn't a silent prayer, it wasn't a meditative prayer, there are times for that, this is a warfare prayer father, Destroy every assignment of sorrow. Every assignment of sorrow. Uh -uh. Destroy it, O God. Destroy it, O God. Let not the sorrow of lack of job contentment, lack of money, let it not mushroom into that of sickness. Let the one of waiting for one blessing in marriage, let it not mushroom into spiritual problem. Destroy every assignment of sorrow, oh God. And as the Spirit of the Lord is quickly you to remember area, join them to one another. Lord, in this area, remove sorrow. In this next section, remove sorrow. Destroy them, oh God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And the devil's hand has been weakened in our lives. Every assignment of sorrow has been destroyed right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. From John chapter 16 verse 24. He says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ah, it's not man. Who said it? That your joy may be no more half full joy. No joy of I am happy, but it is well, anyhow. May we have a season. Of six months, one year, when you can't even see anything that makes you sorrowful. Yeah. <laughs> but you need to desire it. And you just look around you, you turn to the left, something is making your tummy, how do you say that in English? Something is making your tummy to be sweet. Something is making, <laughs> yeah, some of you are translated to various local languages. Something, something on the inside of you is jumping. You turn to the left, you see it again. But most of the time now, you turn to the right, you see something, where comes it, comes sir. You turn to the left, you say, don't even look there. Oh, by the mercy of the Lord, our joy shall be full. 2018 shall be the turn around here for us to enter into full joy in the name of Jesus. So you will say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask now, and I know I will receive and my joy shall be full. I ask for full joy. Grant unto me, O oh God. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your heart. Ask that your joy may be full. Ask that your joy may be full. Ask that your joy may be full. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And begin to pray that God will turn every sorrow into joy. Because as you look to the left and you see something that is well, not really there. You look back, something well, I'm not too sure. Every sorrow will be turned into joy. That is the covenant of joy. That is the promise of God. 
the master himself said it. He said, either to all you have been asking is chess play. All you have been asking is not the real deal. It's not the real McCoy yet. But if you will ask, ah, your joy will be full. Your joy will be full. Your joy will be full. My joy will be full. Our joy will be full. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In this month of harvest, uh, uh, our joy shall be full. Shall be full. It shall be full. There's no reason why we should have life that is compartmentalized. It's, it's, oh, I wish we can pray more. But let me tell you the final one. Will you go back home and pray about this? Are you serious? You promise? Because you need to make me glad. And I need to make you glad. As I'm standing and I keep standing, you are happy and too happy. Some of you are not very happy. Uh, first few weeks, ah, pastor is tired a little bit. You are not. I hope you are not, some of you. I'm not assuming too much. <laughs> Hallelujah, I know you are not. Amen. And so when your joy is full, my own will be full. Tell your neighbor, walk on it. And your joy will be full. Please make me glad. Let me come and rejoice with you. Are you sure? You are not looking convincing. Brother Boris, I want to really... I know you are happy. I want more. I like that smile. Eh? What are precious? All of you. Our joy shall be full. Acts chapter 8 verse 8. Acts chapter 8 verse 8. Hallelujah. So we take that because it's very central. And there was which city? You better mention all your cities. Where does it start? Abadeh. And if you have any other city you are really attached to, there will be joy there. There will be joy. I was going to go the academic way of giving you statistics of how sorrowful people are, but I just veered away from that. Even the 50 minutes I use is still not, still got so much to say. Why, why do people do drugs? Do you know? Eh? They want to feel good. There's a void. Why do people do alcohol? I don't want to look some direction. Why did we do alcohol? Huh? You remember? <laughs> Thank God we do it no more. And so all these errors in the cities and nations, you know why? It's because there's no joy. The real joy. Abaddon, there will be great joy in you. So we pray and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, let there be great joy in Abaddon. As it was in Samaria in those days. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice. You better pray. Better pray. Because in the well-being of that city, you will have your peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He said, pray for that city where I carried you unto. Because in the well-being of that city, you will also know joy. Aberdeen, you will know joy. No more sorrow on the inside of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' marvelous name we pray. Eternal Father, we thank you. Because by your mercy, we have been transported from the position of sorrow into the palace of joy. And so, Lord, may our transportation and transposition and transfer, may it be total and complete in the name of the Lord Jesus. You will not sorrow. And every sorrow in our lives is common permanently and finally banished in Jesus' name. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We will enter the new year better than we have ever entered any new year. Ah. <laughs> I pray it again. I say, Lord, the 31st of December this year, if you tarry, it will be the best crossover for us as individuals in the name of the Lord Jesus. All those doors that have been shut against you, let them open right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your joy shall be full. Our joy shall be full. And Jesus shall be glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated briefly. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.